This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Right, welcome along to podcast 18 of the season. Thank you for taking the time to listen, as usual. We are here again to chat about uh, the massive upcoming game on Saturday. Uh, and also, we might talk about the World Cup later on. Uh, joining Joel and I today, we have the swimming, Carl and dodging boardroom guru, uh, who fell on his own sword tonight, to join us. James Wakefield, thank you for being with us. What a sacrifice. Thank you, David. Good to see you, Joel. Great to see you, Ryan. Uh, and from the dressing room, we have uh, the combative all-action. Uh, I, I, I put right-sided, stroke left-sided, stroke midfielder, stroke defender, because that's where you've played so far this season. Welcome along, Ryan Cooney. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. So, yeah, um, uh, looking at it, you know, you start at right-back, you end up right-wing-back, you've been left-back, you've been left-wing-back. I'm expecting at some point for you to start up front, hopefully. Um, I've got good competition up there, and with Cole Stockton and Kieran Phillips, so that's highly unlikely. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Cole's only just started scoring. There's hope for all of us. Anyway, so just before we start, a little correction. Uh, I made I made a great error last week. We were talking about the possible international eleven that played or ended up playing for Morecambe, and I managed to combine the careers of Ronnie Clayton and. Ray Charnley. Ronnie Clayton played for England 35 times and made his career at Blackburn Rovers. Uh, and he did play a managed Morecambe in 1970. And I got him mixed up with Ray Charnley, who started his career at Morecambe in the 50s, scored loads of goals for Blackpool in the old first division in the 50s and 60s, and played for England once in 1962. So I mentioned Ray Charnley's career, but called him Ronnie Clayton. Sorry. And it's because... When I did the research, Ray Charnley played under Ronnie Clayton when he was player manager at Morecambe in 1970. I know there are people out there who have corrected me. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm a complete numpty. Moving on. <laughs> uh, let's chat about the Exeter game, um, which seems like an aeon ago because we did the Friday night thing. Uh, strange sort of game, Joel. I thought, well, with 10 minutes to go, I was thinking, I'll take a point. What were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I thought first half. I thought we did move it around quite nicely, but I think there were loads of chances overall in that, in that half, really. And I think we did, we did well to create the goal. Uh, really nice little move. It was that same one, actually, that uh, I think it was Phillips when you hit the post from that corner against Lincoln, playing it short, Caleb, uh, Caleb dropping deep, doing that spin. Uh, I mean, it, it amazes me how quickly uh, Caleb Watts is able to spin on the spot. I, I literally, it's unfathomable how many ways you can do it like that. But, uh, Fortunately, there was actually nobody marking him this time. So we had all the time in the world to just kind of turn around and a lovely kind of little uh, Traveller outside the boot cross for Colton home, which was uh, really good for him to get his first league goal. And then I think just a bit a bit frustrating, really, that we've we've not really been seen out those next few minutes and let them back into the game. And I think going into the second half, I think the, sh- the, the loss of Shaw 
hurt us quite a lot. I think we lost quite a bit of midfield control from that point. I thought Exeter were on top. I, I heard a few people have a bit of a grumble about uh, bringing an extra centre-back on when we did in the second half. I think it was probably the right call. I think we we were losing control a bit. We needed something a little bit different. It's it's not just a case of, oh, we'll just take off a defender and put an attacking player and it will give us more control over a game because then you lose out on defence. You, you you aren't able to you know break play up from the opposition and... You know, it's difficult, and I think having an extra defender back there was probably a smarter thing to do, and it so happened as well that from an attacking perspective, our best chance in those last 20 minutes was uh, a big switch ball out to Liam Gibson, and he yeah, almost well, got yeah. through on goal. So, and that, that wouldn't have happened if he was still playing at left-back. So, I, I do agree with that sub. I think I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Exeter on this as well. I think they've, they've done very well this season, and... I was trying to work out why I was looking at some of the numbers and I couldn't quite pick out much of a story about them. But looking at the way they played, they, they sat off quite a lot, I thought, which we found difficult to break down. I think we have done that in the past against like Cheltenham and Lincoln when we've played against teams who sat off. It's been difficult. But what they also did is I thought they counter-pressed really, really well. So when we won the ball back from them, they suddenly just they would swarm around us really, really quickly and make it very difficult for us then to get a, foot in, a footing in the game. And I think that, I think especially when we lost somebody like Shaw in centre midfield who is so good on the ball and a big physical presence as well, it really hampered us, our, our ability to kind of cope with that pressure that they put us under when we won the ball back. And I think that kind of trapped us in a half a bit. Maybe we could have done with being just a bit more direct at points. I'm not too sure, but yeah. I think you got to say kudos to Exeter because I think they, the way they played and you know they made the most of their resources. I thought it was, was really good and like you say, by the end of the game, it was what it was a game I came into thinking, you know what, this is this is a winnable one. But come the end yeah. of it, I was thinking, you know what, I will take a point. And that was the point um, when they brought Giovanni Brown on. They they really went for it. They really did went for it, and the people were pressing high. Uh, they used the width really well all game. And uh, it, it, you know, sometimes you do have to give the opposition credit, James. Uh, we did have a good first half. I agree with that completely. But it was like a game of two hours. They came out, they worked out how to nullify us. And it was still one apiece with 20 minutes left. They made changes. And we had to make changes to react to those changes to try and get a foothold in the game. And sometimes you have to do that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think Joel's probably said everything I'm thinking. and I'm, I'm no football expert, but... Um... But yeah, going going to five at the back is not necessarily a defensive move. Um, and if you believe you're going to get more more more, more purchase on the game from, from the wings, then that gives you your wing backs a bit of bit of freedom. And that's exactly what happened. The Exeter were excellent, and um, and you know from the point that they got themselves into the, into that position where they were they were they were flowing all around us, the point was a good result. And we've we've got to take take points where 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 you know there's a risk of, of losing them and, and try and win the games where we believe we can win them. But yeah, I, I think everything that Joel said is is what I think. And Ryan knows more than me because he's a footballer. <laughs> um, it was a pretty tricky game that Ryan. We spent most of the second half uh, chasing the ball around, and when we got it back, as we said already, their counter press was pretty good. Um, I, I I know the gaffer. He tried to make positive changes. Yes, he brought big big. Faz on, but he did bring Dylan Connolly on, and uh, I felt a bit sorry for Dylan because he ended up playing in twenty minutes in three different positions. But that's sometimes what happens when the game needs it, isn't it? Yeah, um, I just felt like Friday night, second half, 
if we just had more composure when winning the ball back, it was there for, for the taking, was it? Like, we could have gone on to win the game, but I felt like at times we were just trying to get rid of the ball quicker instead of trying to find the extra pass. And if we found the pass, I think we could have gone on, especially after the first half, could have gone on to him by two or three. Yeah, you're right. But um, it, it's one of those where, you know, as James said, every point is, you know, it was disappointing because going in at half time, you're thinking we can go on and win this. But I think we all accepted the fact that it was one of them games. I mean, Exeter got in behind us so many times. And yet, really, Connor didn't have a right lot to do. We we had, we defended the corners brilliantly, by the way. But I, I need to ask you this. Does the gaffer deliberately get everybody back? I know Cole's quite useful at heading the front post ball away. But people were getting frustrated because we cleared it. They got another corner because they put it back in there and we put it for a corner. And then we cleared that and then they got another corner. And then we cleared that and we got another corner. And it was almost like... Sooner or later, one of these is going. But Derek likes everybody back and everybody in the 18-yard box, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I think most managers nowadays will probably have everyone back because if you you're not gonna if you clear the ball from the corner, you're not gonna score from the halfway line. So you'd rather have your numbers inside the box to help defend the goal. I, I to add to that, I I had this debate with a with a fan actually on Twitter the other day and. Uh, he he made quite a good point actually. Like I think you like you've alluded to, Freeze, about the fact that <laughs> might it might help stop the ball coming straight back. On the flip side, there's a great uh, little segment from Paul Warren, who's obviously at the time when he was managing Rotherham, and he's now managing managing Derby. Uh, he he's on the radio, and he, he he kind of and he was taking fan questions, and one of them was uh, me and a load of fans around us can't believe you never leave anybody up corners, and he goes, oh now come on. Come on, really, really? Do I really have to answer that? So basically, he basically said, kind of similar to what Ryan said, that they, you're not going to, you're very unlikely to. I know it looks, it looks great, and the the opposition haven't got many men back, but you're very unlikely to score on a counter attack straight from a corner. And ultimately, your first job when you're defending a corner is defending it, is is trying not to concede. So I think, but I don't, I think we're not the only team. Just, just, just playing devil's advocate. Just playing devil's advocate. Harry Kane. Harry Kane's only goal at the World Cup came from their corner. <laughs> yeah, and then we, and we did we we did have we did have a, a wonderful experience last season of a ball coming out of defence and somebody scoring from the halfway line. So there is there is that to throw in as well. But yeah, it, it was that. It was that. Can you remember? <laughs> I can't remember. But statistically, every manager and professional footballer and, and and statistician is correct. You're far more likely to concede if you don't have all eleven men back than you are to score if you've got one forward. And that's just a. It's like a fact. Yeah, we, we we will just remember Fleetwood away for about another <laughs> years, and for fifty years we'll be frustrated at not having a man, a man left on the halfway line. Yeah, you're probably right. And when, but yeah, like you know, I don't the, think the, that was a corner though. No, it wasn't a corner. It wasn't. Yeah. But but no, play cross. Yeah. <laughs> there no, you go. It, it could have been the Ryan. It could have been. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a free kick. They knocked forward, didn't it? But yeah, the point remains. Um, you know me. I'm just. I'm asking because people ask me. So I asked the questions. So I'm like, yeah. So, the, 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 the nice little thing here is that Rod asks Derek this question probably every three months. <laughs> every time he asks it, Derek's answer is, I'll take you through it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see why. Um, so, the, I mean, the only positive out of the Exeter game was, as Joel's already said, really nice move from a corner, which obviously came off the training ground. So uh, the, the week off did some good then, didn't it, Ryan? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it helped us get freshness back into our legs as well. As you can see how we was going in the first half and then how how long we had to defend in periods of the second half. I feel like the freshness in our legs with that week off, it helped us um, gain a point that we need. Yeah, I agree. And the other positive that came out of it was that uh, Mr Stockton suddenly suddenly getting on the score sheet again. Two in two now, which I know is a lot because he went to how many? 20-odd without scoring. But um, a, striker's, a striker's sort of like judged on his goals. Uh, and Cole seems to be, um, you know, he seems to have come out of that, that bad patch, uh, his poor patch. Uh, it was a good header. He had another effort that just whistled about a foot wide of the post. Uh, and he, he seemed to have a lot more energy as well. Is he uh, is he back to being cold about the place? Yeah, um, I think he's starting to get his confidence back. I mean, obviously scoring against Lincoln in the Papa John's and then obviously scoring on that Friday. And so hopefully now his confidence has come back to himself and he feels like it, how he was last year as well. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll, we'll talk now a little bit about the Charlton game. Uh, we're all, before we come on air, we're all a little bit disappointed, really, because Charlton have done the opposite of what we expected. And uh, usually when we play teams like Charlton and, and get a result against them, they sack the manager and they must be absolutely crapping themselves because they've done it already. Um, uh, and then obviously, lo and behold, it did the world of good because they got beat by Stockport in the FA Cup last night. So uh, and I'm, I'd like to report that the coach broke down back on the M1, but it didn't. But that would have been great if they only got back at seven o'clock this morning and then have to set off back tomorrow morning to come up here. That would have been great. But Charlton, um, we had a, a draw against them and uh, a great win down at the Valley last season. So uh, I like to think, Joel, that we stand some sort of chance on Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately, I think um, Derek might have mentioned on his post-match interview, and uh, his pre-match interview, sorry, I think they might be staying over up in the northwest for the next couple of nights, which for a club of their resources would seem sensible. So sadly, they might not quite have the uh, the, the coach legs in them to uh, give us a bit of an advantage. But still, I think... It, yeah, but what, you've got to, what you've got to remember, though, is that they'll have to train an astroturf because all the pitches are frozen. <laughs> yeah, that is true, exactly. But... Uh, yeah, it is. It's a funny time to play them, really, because it's been interesting looking at some of the 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 kind of the chatter around Charlton, just not just in these last couple of weeks, but in, in the last couple of years, really. Because obviously, there's a bit of uh, they're not all happy with their own. I think some people feel they he should be investing more or whatever. But and then not, and then obviously with the, the the current manager, he seems to have taken half of Swindon with him, but. People say he he hasn't been backed, so I'm, I'd have to do a bit more digging into that. But I mean, you can. I'm just looking at their style of play a little bit. It does seem very similar to what Ben Garner had been doing at Swindon the previous season. But yeah, it's not it's not quite been working out for them. They've not been in the greatest greatest form. They're they're, you know, they're relatively lowly on the table, and yeah, I suppose at a club like Charlton where. They are probably going to want to be pushing back for the championship. They're going to want their, they're going to want to see better results. At the same time, I think they're going through a lot of managers, and that can't always be helpful. Obviously, you know they've bought Sam Lavelle last summer, and this will be, I think, his fourth manager since he's been there. So we, you know, he signed by, I think it was, was it Nigel Adkins who signed him, and yeah, then was, had yeah. Johnny Johnny Jackson for the rest of that season. And then now Ben Garner's come in and now Ben Garner's gone. They've got a caretaker in. There'll probably be somebody else t- 
take over from that caretaker. So there's probably yeah. going to be five in total by the time a new manager comes in. So is that necessarily conductive to building a team? I'm, I'm not so sure. I know we've had difficulty in the past, not through our own choice, by the way. We've had difficulty in the past couple of years through managers departing. It's meant that, you know, Stephen Robinson's built his squad and then he's gone and then Derek's wanting to build his own squad. So, you know, these things, that they're, they're not, they're, they consume money, they're, they're difficult. So, uh, who knows? I mean, new caretaker coming in, bad result in the FA Cup. Maybe they want to bounce back. Maybe their heads will be down. It will be a bit of a mess. It's it's so hard to predict these things. Yeah, I could you can come up, you can twist it any which way. But uh, we'll just have to see what comes out on Saturday. Really, I always I always when people say caretaker manager, I have a picture of a a bloke in his sixties in a brown overall with a a really 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 big <laughs> big mop like that with a fag in the corner of his mouth. Running around the corridors with a bucket of soda. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he's a caretaker manager. He's like, oh, all right, lads. <laughs> so, uh, we don't, who is it? Is it somebody in the somebody in the battery or the youth team or? You know this is shocking. I don't actually. I, I, you know, I'll have a quick. No, I don't. Know <laughs> and and, and just, just as an aside, uh, obviously when <laughs> when Ben, ben Garner got sacked on Twitter, uh, one of the first people to like it was uh, was Ben Lavelle. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Lavelle, Sam's dad. Good lad, Ben. Get it out there. Yeah, glad he's gone. I think uh, well, he had been dropped recently, hadn't he? He hadn't been yeah. on the side very much. I think there was some uh, there was some story uh, from some of the local papers as well about a response he'd given to the fact that he brought in a couple of 17, 18-year-olds mm-hmm. ahead of Lavelle into the, into the first team. So, yeah, it seems like he might not have uh, might not have been too keen on Lavelle, which is, you know... A bit, yes, a bit of enmity. Which seems, which seems baffling to us because he was he's fantastic to us. But you know, new manager in, and we'll we'll have to see if he hopefully, you know, for Sam's sake, he'll, he'll, he'll fancy giving a bit more game time. Well, if anybody uh if anybody knows about um people coming going and coming and uh and not fancying yet and then proving them wrong, it's Ryan, isn't it? Because uh, you've done that this season, mate. You have done that this season. Couldn't couldn't get arrested earlier in the season, and now look at you flying, and that's that's down to you putting the work in, isn't it? And showing on the training ground that you you know you're, you're worth your place, and when you've got your chance, you've taken it. That's what Sam's got to do at Charlton, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like as long as you get your head down and keep working hard in training, uh, your chance will come. And then it's just about taking like grabbing it with two hands, and then hopefully you can keep yourself in the team. And it's worked for you. I'm happy to say. Yeah, I've done well since I've come back in and now hopefully I can keep my position for majority of the season now. Although I have to tell you that we had Gibbo on we had Gibbo on three weeks ago and he said, oh, I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. And then didn't play again till last Friday. He disappeared off the face of the earth. We didn't know what we'd done to him. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, Charlton... Uh, it's a it's a winnable game, James. But uh, obviously, as Joel's alluded to, uh, at this level, a big club um, get decent crowds. There'll be a decent following. There'll be the expectation will be high from them still, despite the fact that it is a bloke with a brown overall running the team. You you know what I'm going to say here, like big. Big club, my ass. Honestly, <laughs> that's really, why. I, I, yeah, I, I say it every time, knowing that you're gonna you're gonna put me right, and that's fine. Big club, my my backside. Honestly, they're in League One with us. They've been in League One with, with us for a while. 
the last time, the last two games they won were against some youth team in the Papa John's and Colville Town. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> and they've they've not they've not won an actual competitive game for six weeks. So absolutely acknowledge that they're a good professional squad of players, but to me, they're no different to Shrewsbury or, or Fleetwood or, or Accrington. They're, they're just another team in League One. Big club, my back side. Right, okay, I shall read uh, right. Charlton, <laughs> there you go. Was that better? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what you're saying is, it's quite right, but you, you know what I'm saying, you know, their history, et cetera, et cetera. And we get this every time, you know, we play, we play all the so-called big clubs. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is the fact that it's, we should be beating teams like Morecambe. I mean, teams like Morecambe should be in inverted commas. It's been used that many times by uh, incumbent uh, incumbent managers and then who, 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 uh, who get the full backing of the board and then two days later are sacked. Um, so, you know, you know I, I take the view that they will still be coming probably, probably with more expectation than they really should have. But from our point of view, I, I, and I make this point every week, I don't think we're getting against Exeter. We got what we deserved, probably just a point. But there have been so many games this season where we've played really, really well. Lincoln away, I thought we were the slightly better side, and we lost two one. And sooner or later, it is going to change. And I, I say that every week, and it is more in hope than expectation because all I think is that it isn't down to luck. It's the fact that. Our finishing needs to, so it's, it, when it hits the post, it goes in instead of coming out again. But looking at it in plain terms, we've got to start picking up three points soon, James. Yeah, we do. We need to win, we need to win games. Um, Exeter are a better team than Charlton, objectively, this season so far. They are. They're a better team. And we got a point, and it was it was tough, but we got a point. Um, and we're playing Charlton this weekend, and who cares about changes of managers or anything else like that? Typically, you might get a bounce when you change your manager, not when it's, you know, the caretaker. Um, necessarily, and and ultimately, Charlton are not as good a team as Exeter this season. So we've got to go into the game thinking that we're playing a team that's not as good as Exeter. That's that. I, I can't. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything more to to spin on on it than that. Uh, uh, I'm pretty confident that you know Ryan and everybody else won't be thinking we're terrified of Charlton because they all wanted the Premier League. Not relevant. I think their playing style probably plays into our hands a little bit more as well than than Exeter. I think Exeter like to sit off and and stuff and. Charlton, I'm just having a quick glance at the numbers. They'll they want to get on the ball a bit more, and obviously that suits us because it gives us an opportunity to counterattack them. So, as well as the fact that they have they're just not been as good as Exeter this season, also the playing style fits into us a bit more. But I'm a little bit afraid of going too far on that because I'm afraid we're going to jinx it now. And uh, <laughs> I don't I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about more the principle. The principle yes. generally of approaching games against teams in the same league as us. There's no such thing as a big or small club. There's just teams in our league, and that's that. And uh, so, so yeah, but but yeah, you're right, you're right, Joel. Let's not jinx it. Let's let's let Ryan say something professional about football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, did anybody anybody catch any? I watched about twenty minutes last night of it on of Stockport replay on ITV4, and uh, was it ITV4? ITV, yeah, it was. So I watched about twenty minutes of it, and all Stockport did was throw balls in the box, get get out wide, get balls in the box. And Charlton defended a lot of them really, really well, but three they didn't. <laughs> and that's what happened. And I'm just thinking, Cole being back into a bit of form, et cetera, et cetera. And I do take your point, Joel, they look get outable. They want to play a certain way and they want it. And it, 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 I think they are get outable. What's the gaffer said about Charlton, Ryan? I feel like 
we just you seen the teams that have come to the Missouri recently, like Derby, Portsmouth, and uh, he just said, "Don't be fearful." Like obviously they're bigger, so-called big teams in this league, but uh, on our day, he, we, he believes and we believe we can beat beat teams. He just needs to put the ball in the back of the net now. Yeah, yeah, that that's been partly the problem, hasn't it? Really, <clears throat> obviously. Uh... Instead of hitting the post across bar, keeper making 20 saves. Yeah, exactly. And I think looking at our goals for column, it's something that does need to improve, which is why I was making the point that, you know, people were surprised that he, he, the gaffer started with Cole rather than uh, Kieran Phillips. But, um, you know, it was justified because he scored. But um, and I, I know people have said in the past, oh, you know, he, he should start with the two up front. But... Um, I think they both play the lone role pretty well. Do you agree? Yeah, um, I think they both obviously got different strengths about them. Cole can hold the ball up, link everyone up, and Kieran can run in behind, stretch defences. So I think they both do a good enough role. Like they both do the job as good as each other. Really, it just depends on what. Yeah, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I noticed um, on Twitter that uh, Rob Rob the, Rob the groundsman's covered the pitch in uh, plastic sheeting, so in the black tarpaulins, which hopefully will keep it sort of frost free because I know it's really really cold out there tonight. So fingers crossed, we you know we we're, we're not wasting our time talking about a match that's going to fall foul of the weather. But I can't see it. Let's hope it, let's hope the game will get pushed back an extra hour though. <laughs> It's gonna make things tight, isn't it? So, um, t- t- speaking of that Portsmouth game, what, what, with with so many chances, not just not quite, not quite finding their way into there. What, what's the mood in the dressing room like after a, after something's happened like that? Is it frustrated? Are you, are you, are you happy you created that many chances? Are you angry? What's kind of the mood? I think it's a bit of, but like we're frustrated, obviously, not to take the chances, but you'd be more annoyed if you weren't creating chances. Whereas we're creating them, we just need to start taking them. So, so I that, think it's a bit of both, really. Yeah. So is 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 the fact that obviously you want results are the most important thing, but is creating the chances and and the kind of overall performance level something that does kind of keep you keep you positive and keep you driving on? Yeah, because if if it was playing poor and not creating anything, everyone would be worried about what we need to do better. But the fact is, we're creating chances. We're playing well. We just need to put the ball in the back of the net at times, which has not really fell our way this year. We've got to do it, but we've done it often enough in games on one occasion. The problem has been one's not been enough because uh, to gain the wins. I mean, obviously, Barnsley, yes. And we managed to score two at Forest Green, which is absolutely marvellous. But it's been the uh, scoring more than once. And Derek is the first to say that we are, you know, the, we are the greatest in this division at losing points from a winning position, which, uh, you know, it, it isn't great. But um, as I keep saying, we're we're in early December. We're approaching just nearly halfway in the season. There's a long, long way to go. And uh, as we alluded to last week and the week before, the the this cold winter was predicted, and the fact that it's going to be a they're predicting this is probably going to last. Uh, there's going to be a cold snap and then the possibility of another one after Christmas. 
Uh, I'm not suggesting we're turning into the winter of 1963, where it's like five foot snow drifts and no football for three months. But, um, you know, that could have an effect. Um, and so from our point of view, all the points we can gather just before Christmas, it would be blooming great. But there you go. So looking at looking at you, Ryan, um, I know that when you got back in the team, uh, you were greeted as a long lost hero by the home crowd. And I know you, do, do, when when they, you know, when you put a tackle in the first 10 minutes and you get your name sung, does that, do, do you get up from that tackle and wipe your shorts down and think, yep, that's me, that's me doing my job and they love it? Um, I, 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 every time I get ready to go out for a game, like, anyway, I'm always up for it. But then obviously the backing from the fans shows that I clearly must be doing something right for them to like me as much as you do. I think it, I think a lot of it, and this is personal. I think a lot of, and I, I used it in your intro. You, you know, you've got you've got, shall we say, you're combative, and uh, and I know you've talked yourself into a few yellow cards over the years, and I, and I think the crowds like you. Yeah, well, a few, yeah, well, yeah. I was being, yeah, yeah. I've How many is it, mate? I've only had two this year. <laughs> Well, you're letting the side down. Get stuck in on Saturday and get a yellow card because we love it. We love it. It's one of those things, you know. When you and and um, I, I remember one of the yellow cards this season because you took one for the team, didn't you? you so they broke away from one of our corners and you stopped yeah. just inside their half. Yeah, they had a ball. And I said, and I, yeah, and I said straight away, that's why we like Ryan Cooney. And the, the and it's funny because when he did that foul, the entire of the barter card was clapping. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, f- I feel like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't I don't like to lose, and no, not re- no one really likes to lose. But I I have to get it out. I can't keep it inside me anger. If something I feel is not right, and it needs to come out straight away, and that's and that's where me I think my aggression comes from, and that's why I end up getting yellow cards. <laughs> but it, it's lovely to watch. There was one there was one slide tackle. Uh, you know, you know the lad who was absolutely rapid from Derby, and there was one slide tackle on him near the corner flag, and you got up with the most massive grin on your face because you knew he got away with it because you got the ball, but then you got him, and the Barty card was going mad because you'd stopped him. And I was thinking, it's good to have Ryan Cooney back. <laughs> was that the one that's supposed to be a penalty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then McGoldrick came and gave you a kick afterwards and got himself a yellow you got, card. You got yeah. a free kick. He did exactly the same to you and got the ball and we got the free kick. No, no, to be fair, he, it, was, it was a proper swipe from McGoldrick. It was well worthy of a yellow card than what McGoldrick did. Yeah, but he did get the ball, but he See got the ball. Over yeah, but that, that tackle, you know... Uh, he, he was absolutely incensed, that guy. That was just so funny. So uh, Actually, talk about, did you get the ball on that one? No, that's why I think I got, I got smiling. I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he said play on, I was laughing. I got, I just... <laughs> oh, it was only, wasn't there only like a few minutes after we conceded the first penalty as well? The first, the, first one, the first one definitely wasn't a penalty, and then the one I'd done was a penalty, and I just started laughing. So I thought I got away with that. Yeah, I think and then they got, they got, got the second half. Well, do you think it's one of those as well where the refs give him one a few minutes ago in front of the yeah. home end? He's like, I really don't want to give another one here. I think he knew he got the first one wrong. That's why. You... Yeah, possibly. And I, that happened to Canada in their first game. Canada got a penalty, missed it. And I didn't think it was a penalty. And then about five minutes later, the guy goes through and gets up. 
gets, as Ron Atkinson used to say, he's taken his back legs. I don't know if it was a quadruped, but uh, and it was a definite penalty. And VAR looked at it and gave a goal kick. And I'm like, that's because they've given one five minutes earlier and they've got it wrong. But so sometimes it works for you, sometimes it works against you, doesn't it? Yeah, um, we can only just look at this World Cup, if, especially with the penalties. With it, England's first game against Iran, Harry, Harry Maguire was getting rugby tackled, and what was it, Luke Shaw was someone just touched him and he fell over and got a pen. Yeah. You never know what's going to, the referee's thinking, especially if he's already given one. Yeah, exactly. 50, and then I got away with mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep doing it. <laughs> And you're saying that they did well, they got another one in the second half, didn't they? But kind of saved that one as well. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that was about two yards out. He just, Ryan Delaney went to block the ball, he, he didn't yeah. know where to put his hand in it, his arm. Yeah, couldn't talk about that, but you're all right, Conor will keep stopping him. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite the Kevin Ellison level of a uh, charge down he used to do. No, no, yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, arms up, get everything in the way, but yeah, <laughs> that like a rugby player. <laughs> So, talking about the World Cup, um, I've um, my shenanigans. A month, uh, sorry, three months ago, we booked a meal uh, to come out with friends who've come across from uh, Yorkshire, and said, "Oh yeah, that's Saturday before the Christmas. That'll be nice." Yeah, seven o'clock, pizza margarita. We've managed to move that to seven thirty, and I've got agreement now that I can. Uh, I've got downloaded ITVX on my phone, so I've got agreement I can actually watch the game as long as it's silent but can you imagine what happens if we score against France and I'm in pizza margarita at half past seven do you think I'll be going oh jolly good show <laughs> I say everyone we've scored a goal how marvellous <laughs> but at, at least I can watch it but James you've had the shenanigans as well I'm the same as you freeze um, so I, I managed to book my entire Christmas around Morecambe games so um, I'm off to Plymouth next weekend with, with actually some other people, including somebody on this podcast, which is quite yes. nice. And then I've got another game and then I'm going to be at Aki at home with my brother-in-law and it's just the two of us. I'm going to stay at the, uh, the Clarendon and have a night out in Morecambe afterwards, which will be quite special. So basically, I've booked the whole of Christmas around Morecambe games. I just hadn't thought about the World Cup. And then it turns out that the dinner I'd agreed to go to, to host our house um, is is the same as his game and when 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 it was obvious after the kickoff my wife said well maybe we could do this and maybe we could do that and maybe we could do the other and I was like no 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 the choices are really really simple we either can it and tell everybody they're not coming <laughs> we push the dinner to 9 30 we, we make them a chili and we force them to sit in the lounge and watch the football with a beer and helpfully helpfully everybody's gone with yeah that sounds like a great idea so uh. So, so our, our dinner with um, other people who are all my wife's friends is going to be pushed till 9.30. I'll watch the football first with the beer in the lounge. Oh, that's good then. That's good. Yeah. So you've got a there is a gig at the AO Arena, actually, that is uh, the support act is going on early. Then they're taking two hours out to watch the match. And then the actual acting stuff, I think it's Paul Thomas, is going on at nine o'clock. So... Uh, Oh, he's not. He's not allowed for extra time there. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, well, yeah. But <laughs> uh, so what? What we? I mean, obviously, you know, we're, the people will be listening to this uh, before the game on Saturday. Uh, they might listen to it after the game. So you know, we, we can be completely after the fact. What are we? What are we thoughts on that one? Because um, Mbappe's two goals the other night just came out of nothing. No back lift. No room. No nothing. Smash top corner. Smash top corner. Um, what are we thinking? I. 
looking at the England team, uh, I, I think, you know, uh, we spent 20, 25 minutes sussing out, sussing out... Um, Senegal. Senegal, yeah. And we, t- we did... T- <laughs> I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. No. I was going to say... I was going to say it's an interesting point about Mbappe you just made actually but about some when players do things that are just like what the hell how do you do that I mean that's coming from somebody like me who my perspective of football is is kind of my own ability and that is not very good but from somebody who's actually good at football like Ryan so what what do people do things when people like these international players do things do you kind of sometimes just go what the hell how did you do that or well you look at his two goals you just think How's he managed to the second one, especially out there, just put near top corner? How's he managed? It wasn't in the top corner. It was like sort of like you know, in like the top third. He's whipped it. He's whipped it around, and he's yeah. basically and you just think, how's he managed that? Well, I think Kyle Walker would do a job with him. Yeah, you, you reckon? You, yeah, I mean, he's got the pace, hasn't he? He's, he's already he's played the majority of times in Champions League, so he'd be used to him. I just I feel like we'll play five at the back, bro. With about with Stones, Maguire, and Kyle Walker, and then I don't think we'll play a four. You know, right, the right yeah. back to Union here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, um, it'll be like a, it'll be like Corey Blackett Taylor coming up against Ryan in there in the playoff semi final and getting pocketed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had that before, Ryan, haven't you? You went, he went flying past you at first minute, and you must have been thinking, bloody hell, he can shift. He was quick, and, and he never got another kick. I just remember in that play, playoff semi-final, he boosted it from his own half and it looked like he was going off the pitch. Yeah. So I, started, I started slowing down, he kept it in, I thought, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he never got past you again, mate. So. Yeah, it's just him. I just went tight. <laughs> and uh, uh, speaking of Mbappe, you know, we, we scored very similar goals that night at Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Two people getting in the way of a shot who deflected it in, I think. But there you go. That's what we need this year. We need someone just... Yeah, it is. Off anything goes in. Yeah, Play, right. a sensitive body body area. And part yeah. of your body at a shot, because I think that's where both of those goals came in up, wasn't it? Yeah. So go on, I'll, I'll, I want you to go for a, a, a prediction. Who's your final four in the World Cup? And I sprung it on you because, I, I you know, I'm going to I thought Portugal were impressive, but Switzerland were terrible the other night. But Portugal, that lad they brought on was, you know, scored the hat-trick, was superb. He was another one who, you know, he's got no bloody that finished chip over the goalie, and then that was it was good. But that again, no backlift on his left footer in the top corner. It was like, so go on then. Who's your four, Joel? Oh, I'm just looking at the games now. Uh, uh, I'll say Brazil and Argentina from the first uh, quarterfinals. Here's the big uh, one. Yeah, it's the big one. And then I'll go, uh, I reckon Morocco will do it in England. Because I'm going to go positive. Morocco will beat Portugal. Yeah. Actually, no, Portugal are good now. They're not playing Ronaldo. So uh, who knows? Okay. James? I'm going going to just go contrary just because, like, I I like to go contrary. But I genuinely think Croatia will trouble Brazil. I I don't think Brazil have been tested yet. No. I think Netherlands will beat Argentina. Because they're just going to play pragmatic football. They're going to they're going to Derek ball it, and then I do believe we'll beat France. I think we're the better team, and I want to say Morocco will be, beat Portugal, but I don't think they will after the other night. Now that they dropped Ronaldo, I think Portugal will go through. So Portugal, England, Netherlands, and Croatia. Good shout. 
Ryan? Brazil in Brazil, but I don't think Argentina are that good anyway. They've got no. Messi, but I'm not impressed by them at all. No. They've, Saudi Arabia got beat. They were this could have got could have drew against Mexico. Mexico were crap, weren't they? Yeah, and then Poland weren't any better. No. So I think now they're playing actual a decent side who've got good players in the team. I think Holland will win. Right. And then Portugal if Ronaldo plays. <laughs> um, now Portugal and England in the other semi-final. Oh, so you three, you three are all saying that we will beat France. So following on from that, will we beat France in ninety minutes? Will we beat them in extra time, or will it come to the dreaded penalties? Joel, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Oh God! Oh, I don't like. I don't like to think too hard about these things. I think it's been it tomorrow. What's that? As long as we win, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't really care. I don't mind how it, how it happens. I, I've I got know. the funny feeling it's going to go. That's my thoughts on it. I think it's. I think Ryan's right. I think we'll play a back five, and I think we'll spend the first half an hour just trying to suss him out. Uh, Giroud's a great, great forward at doing what he does, but he has got pace either side of him in Dembele. The one thing I've noticed about Dembele is he's brilliant at taking the man on, but he's cross. Uh, his crosses go um, either to the keeper or to nobody at the back post. So, you know, so far he's not really hit anybody. Hey, wait but, wait till we get uh, Ash Hunter back and then we've got Cole Stockton, Dylan Connolly and Ash Hunter up front. It'll be like, it'll be like, it'll be like budget France, won't it? <laughs> Big target man in the centre, lots of pace out wide. There we go. Yeah. So I, I do. I think it'll go. I think it'll go all the way to penalties and I think I'm going to be Biting me nails at some pub in Lancaster about quarter to ten, going, come on, you know. I think it'll suit us how fans play anyway. We're we're normally better against the bigger teams on the counter attack. Yeah, you're right because we have got well, as we just said, you know, we you know we scored that we scored a couple of fantastic goals where we uh, you know we, we've we've hit people on the counter and we've been pretty good at it. It's because Gareth Southgate looks up to Derek Adams. <laughs> That's the counter attacking style I want to play. All right. So he he, he he wants it to be called Gareth Ball, but we're sticking with Derek Ball. Is that exactly? It? Yeah. Exactly. We've coined the term already. Sorry, Gareth. Can't be having it. And I, I, I'm just wondering if he'll, um, you know, he, he's, he seems to have canned the waistcoats, does Gareth, doesn't he? After the 2018 success, he's canned them. Or is it just too hard? A bit too warm. Yeah, probably a bit too warm. Yeah. <laughs> not Taylor, De- Derek and his jumper at Wembley, though. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it was only thirty-seven degrees that day. Derek had a jumper on. You can't be too careful. He's from Scotland, <laughs> right? So moving on, we've decided who's we've decided who's in the last four of the World Cup, and obviously this time next week, um, we can discuss who's going to be in the bleeding final because it's it's that quick. But there you go. Um, so any news from the uh, from the boardroom there, Mister Wakefield? Nothing very exciting, uh, apart from to say well, that... Oh, that depends on your point of view, really. No, you're right, you're right. You're right. Uh, nothing very exciting. Um, there's, there's an awful lot of work going into trying to make sure that we find the right people to, to come into the club. Um, and the, 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 there's lots of conversations ongoing. Um, I should give a shout-out to Graham in particular, because he's like Mr Finance, and he's therefore the one who has to do all the hard work when it comes to um, discussing 
certain things with certain people. So massive shout out to Graham and also Simon Baybutt, who's um, who, who heads up finance for us. Just they don't ask, get some crap requests and an awful lot of information asked of them. So yeah, massive shout out to Graham. But no, nothing, nothing, nothing's happened that is material for this for this pod. And um, and ultimately, we're all going to keep doing what we've always been doing, which is to make sure that the interests of the sport are properly represented and we're thinking about the long term. Um, but yeah, shout out to Graham and Simon for a lot of hard work that they're doing that may or may not prove to be really, really worthwhile. Um, because you know, you, until something's done, it's not done. <laughs> and uh, and there is a statement of fact. Uh, I believe you wanted to give somebody a shout out as well. Oh yeah, that was a quick one and um, just a random one, random um, hello to to Zach and the Boston Shrimps, who it was a pleasure to meet in uh, in Massachusetts a few weeks ago. Clang! There you go. There we go. There we go. But it, was quite, it was quite nice. And the best thing about it was I was expecting to meet some old bloke from Morecambe who moved there 30 years ago and had persuaded some other people to follow Morecambe. But it was a classic FIFA story. It was just like Mr. Belgium who came, who came a couple of months ago where yeah. lads 10 years ago picked up FIFA, started playing with the lowest starred rating team in England on FIFA and then obviously got attached to Morecambe that way, started following the game from afar. And there's now so many of them that they're starting to have to think about finding a pub because there's like 10 or 11 of them now and they can't fit in each other's houses to watch the football on, 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 on iFollow. So they're about to start trying to find a pub somewhere in Boston to watch the game. So, yeah, big big shout out to Zach and the Boston Shrimps um, and thanks for having a beer with me a few weeks ago. Shrimps Arms, brilliant. Do they listen to the podcast? I don't know. I'll, I'll send them a message and tell them to listen to the podcast. Um, because they get a shout yeah, out. I don't know. I don't know if they do. I, I think they do. They were. I mean, like literally, they were both there in their shirts in Boston in in the, the Black Swan, which is about as as Boston as a pub could get. Um, and it was it was quite nice to see a, a couple of more away shirts in the pub. Good shout. Well, if you tell them that um, the combative fullback Ryan Cooney is on our podcast, then they should want to listen to it, shouldn't they? I'll tell them. I'll tell them that, that the man that Colin Murray said plays like he was born and bred in Morecambe is on the pod. <laughs> um, they'll, they'll hopefully listen. Good show. Um, so nothing else from the boardroom? No. Lots of hard work being done. Nothing, no, no, nothing of note of yet, but just shout out to Graham and Simon. Okay, brilliant. Um, the, uh, the toy collection's finished now, I believe, from the Shrimps Trust, Joel. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, um, as James said the other week, uh, I think they could, uh, obviously, you can still do Actually, no, just double-checking, there are still, we are still taking donations, so right, okay. I think Sorry, things can be kind of spread out over, over certain periods as well, and, and maybe say for next year, but yeah, I don't know if anybody's seen the pictures on Facebook, but uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> there are quite a lot of toys that have been sent in, so once again, it's really nice that uh, people have, you know, responded in such a positive way, so we're really appreciative of that, and uh, and to and to Joe and uh, Haji for, for for sorting that because it, you know look at the amount of toys that they're having to uh, <laughs> they're having to take on board. You know, it's it's not a little task. And obviously, uh, this weekend we've got the uh, food bank collection. Food, yeah, the food bank co- uh, connection out, outside the game, so there should be a van there for, uh, for for sorting that. And that's kind of you know you. Uh, just a couple of a few examples of what what kind of stuff to bring uh instant mashed potato instant custard tin fruit and juice toothpaste toothbrushes deodorant large size nappies tins of meat uh stewed steak tins of ravioli mac and cheese all, all kind of stuff like that there's there's kind of full breakdowns of that on facebook because uh if you can remember all what i've all what i've just said then that'd be very impressive but i can't imagine you have so <laughs> have a check on our facebook and our social medias 
if you just want to go over any details or just get in contact with any of us, we can, we can pass things on. But yeah, again, you know, it, it's been great already with the toy appeal to see so much charitable spirit coming from people locally. So I'm sure that I'll get echoed in the food donations as well before Charlton. And a great, another fantastic initiative. That's been going quite a few years now. And uh, I know that the, the last time we held this, they ended up having to bring an extra van because they had that much food, didn't they? So, I mean, that's lo- always lovely to hear and see. So it's a great thing to do. And like I say, it, it's an easy thing to do. If you're doing your Friday shop tomorrow, just stick an extra tin in or a, a whatever it may be. And every little bit helps. Uh, and there are lots of people out there who are not looking forward to Christmas. And uh, hopefully it'll be Charlton fans after Saturday. That's all, all I want to say on the matter. Well, thanks for being on, Ryan. Uh, good fun as always. Joel, thank you as always. James, well done on on missing the uh, swimming gala with an ill child. Uh, I hope the child isn't too bad for you tonight. And they're fast asleep upstairs, aren't they? Because you've cowpolled them. Yeah, they're fine. Honestly, she's fast asleep. And the, the ones come come back from the swimming gala now, so I'll go and find out if she's done. All right. I mean, when you go to a swimming gala, the law is on the way home. You have to have chips. That was the only. That was the only good thing about swimming as a kid. It was the only thing I was ever good at in terms of sport when I was a kid. And the best thing about it was going to fish and chips afterwards. Exactly. There's something about swimming in a in a chlorinated pool where you get out and you just want to eat chips. You want to eat cod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird one, but there you go. Right. This has been uh, Shrimpnet. Uh, this was episode 18 of the season. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. If you haven't, tell us. If you have, tell others. Uh, We'll see you next week.